Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Kyles here from CLNS Media, joined by my CLNS Media family member, Mike Cadlick, to discuss Gerard Mayo's first appearance on The Greg Hill Show. Now, obviously, it was a very different vibe compared to what we usually get with Bill Belichick. You had Gerard Mayo cracking jokes, making fun, you know, poking fun at people. It was very, very different. It was very entertaining. Don't want to poo-poo how Bill was on these shows, but, you know, it was pretty easy <laughs> to kind of get lulled to sleep when he's just kind of, yeah, uh, you know, it gets a little old. But uh, what were your general thoughts? First of all, how are you? I'm just so excited to talk about some Gerard Mayo. How are you? <laughs> and then how did you feel about Gerard's first appearance on the show? Um, I want to make sure that I am connected okay and you can see me and hear me because <laughs> I'm a little shaky. I'm good. Perfect. Okay. Because we'll I can barely see say, you. But- that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll monitor the chat. But now that you can hear me, uh, thank you for having me be on, especially because uh, Gerard was on our airway this morning over at WEEI. So um, works out great this down. Um, I loved it. I thought he was incredibly, uh, you know, candid. And like you said, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Belichickian. It was definitely, you know, uh, he really, whether he's actually telling the truth or not, he at least, you know, gives I guess more like thoughtful answers and, you know, is thorough and doesn't just kind of, you know, shoot people off. So that was good to see. Um, he had plenty of interesting answers, which I'm sure we'll get to about leadership and Mac Jones and, um, you know, their thoughts on free agency and that they're going to spend and talking about the the number three overall pick. Like if this was Bill Belichick's introductory press con or introductory interview on the Greg Hill show, and they asked him what they were going to do with the number three pick, he would have like scoffed in their face where, you know, yeah. Mayo actually gave a decent answer. So, um, you know, good stuff. I'm excited for that to continue. Uh, Mayo Mondays and starting in August. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But uh, yeah, good stuff from uh, good stuff from Mayo this morning. And we're going to dive into those comments. So the first one, he was asked about whether or not he actually is the person who's going to be running the hiring process. Obviously, a lot of holes to fill on the staff and probably could be more holes once Bill Belichick actually figures out where he's going to land. Seems like it's going to be with the Falcons, but we don't know yet. So when asked that question, he said, yeah, it's all me. But he also mentioned that Matt Groh, director of player personnel and director of scouting, Elliot Wolf, are also involved in that process. Now, I know that people have been very skeptical about Grow and Wolf based on, you know, the Patriots' previous draft history. The reality is that we don't know how much involvement they actually have when it came to the picks. We don't really know anything about their jobs or what they've been doing. Like, we know what their descriptions are. We know what those roles entail. But in terms of how much was Bill and how much was them, we have no idea. Now, in fairness, Matt Grow is kind of a complete mystery to us. But Elliot Wolf, I think it's fair to point out, he came up in the Green Bay front office. Now, the Packers are very unlike other teams in the sense that they rarely spend in free agency. Their philosophy for years, going back to Elliot Wolf's dad, Ron Wolf, when he was the general manager for the Packers, 
he put a huge emphasis on building through the draft. So that means you put a lot of resources into it. You make sure that, you know, your staff is on board and there's a lot of cooperation in terms of how exactly that gets done. And the Packers have more success on a consistent basis when it comes to building through the draft than anybody. It helps when you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Like right. that obviously is a pretty big boost. But no one's looking at the Packers being like, oh, it's all the quarterbacks. They're usually talented teams, even if they do mm-hmm. have their deficiencies. So what do you think about them being involved in the process and the collaborative effort that we've been hearing about? Yeah, uh, it was kind of funny when they asked him about, you know, do you have autonomy and full control over this coaching search? He goes, oh, yeah, it's all me. It's all me. And Matt and Elliot are helping out, too. I thought that was that was kind of funny. But uh, I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't be all him. Right. I mean, he's never built a coaching mm-hmm. staff before. He should be, you know, leaning on these guys. Uh, so and he's acknowledged I, I, that, too. He wants to lean on the experts. 100 mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. He like he he says it himself. Like, you know, he wants he wants his team, you know, whatever he said the other day, something about like being strong in the weight room. He's like, I don't know how to teach squats, so I'm going to rely on somebody else to do that. And so mm-hmm. I think that's good. He he know like he knows he know he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So, um, mm-hmm. I guess that's a positive from this whole thing. And I do, I think it's, uh, it's important for him to lean on these resources office. It also tells me that, you know, whether they ultimately do hire a general manager or not, um, after the draft, which was sort of a rumor report type thing that's kind of come out here along the way, um, uh, grow and wolf, it seems like they're here to stay in some, you know, in some capacity, uh, grow is obviously, I mean, both these guys are sons of, you know, Al grow is a, um, you know, a football guy and same with Ron. And so, you know, they've been around the league. It's not, it's, I don't, I don't want to call it nepotism, but they're sons of guys just like the Belichicks were. And so, um, <laughs> you call it, a spade a spade. they can be good at their jobs and still be nepot babies. Like. <laughs> yeah, and so that's kind of where this fits, but um, uh, it's good that they're involved in the search. I think, uh, I think it's important. And you're right about Elliot Wolf too. Like not only was he in green Bay, he he's learned under John Dorsey as well. He worked in Cleveland mm-hmm. for a little while there um, when they they built an okay team uh, and then it kind of fell off like when they drafted like guys like Baker Mayfield and things like that. I remember I, the reason I know the name Elliot Wolf is because of the Baker Mayfield pick in Cleveland. And as much as it didn't work out in Cleveland, I know that Wolf was involved in that because I've heard Baker talk about him before. And Baker Mayfield just played you know played his ass off last night uh, and almost is was almost on the cusp of playing for a Super Bowl. So uh, the guy knows how to evaluate talent. And I think it's important to note that, you know, he's, I guess, in the coaching search as well because they need good coaching here. And so I'm sure that if he can evaluate good talent, maybe he can evaluate coaching as well. I think we can all agree that at the very least, it's going to be interesting. We talked about this. It's going to be interesting to see how this process plays out because we don't, again, we don't know how much of the involvement was Bill. So now we'll get to see what these guys' perspectives are. We're going to find out quickly in free agency. That's just like a month, uh, about a month away, two months away or something like that. Uh, So we're going to get an idea of how Matt Groh sees team building, whether he's going to, you know, go out all out to try to get a big name receiver. We're going to talk about free agency a little bit later. And then Elliot Wolf, where he prioritizes these draft picks and how he sees the roster. But it does sound like it's going to be Mayo's vision, and then they all work together to figure out how to best suit that. Um, Going on to more coaching staff or more staff news, we found out or Mm -hmm. really had it just confirmed that Steve and Brian Belichick were offered to return to the team. And I think Greg Hill put it pretty well where he's like, yeah, I think it was Greg or somebody else on the show mentioned that, you know, the defense – you guys proved yourselves. Like we, we want to yeah. make sure that there's continuity on that side of the ball. We kind of discussed this, but just to kind of reiterate, now that we do have the confirmation and Mayo himself, we've heard the reports that he and Steve are very close. Um, we hadn't really heard about him and Brian before, so it was nice to hear you saying, like, yeah, you know, obviously we know they're great coaches, but that they have a relationship. So what did you think about that? Because I feel like 
for Steve, I don't really know why you'd want to, unless he has head coaching aspirations in the very near future. Right. I don't know why you'd want to follow your dad, especially because Mike Reese didn't really report, but he kind of speculated uh, that if, uh, Steve were to stay, he would probably be elevated to something like assistant head coach, where like he mm-hmm. and Demarcus Covington, these guys who have really just been more coord or not really coordinators in title, but Steve has kind of been a co-defensive coordinator, but really a position coach. Right. You see a guy like him and Demarcus Covington to get them to stay, give them a boosted title, and maybe help them long term. Yeah, um, I guess that that is sort of how Reese does his reporting. He's kind of mm-hmm. soft, not I don't soft with it, not in a bad way, but he he'll slide something in, and it's like, oh yeah, no, that is true. He just he doesn't make a big deal out of it, which is like you know when Reese says something, you listen. So mm-hmm. uh, if Steve does come back, it sounds like it would be like you said, either an assistant head coach, senior advisor type to the head coach, um, and it, that makes sense. Like you said, Mayo Mayo has said in the past that they're close, and that's been you know confirmed. I I think it's again going back to the difference between Mayo versus Bill on these shows. It's like every time they bring up a report from the outside, he was just like, "Yes, confirmed. That is correct." And it's like <laughs> you, you you never you know Bill Belichick would never confirm a report. All he would say was, "Yeah, that's you know that's you guys talking. You don't know what's going on in these walls type stuff." And so uh, again, fascinating stuff. But yeah, so it sounds like. Uh, Steve and Brian uh, do, in fact, have the opportunity to come back. Um, and Mayo really made it sound like, and not that it would be any diff- anything other than this, but he did make it sound like it's either here or with Bill wherever he goes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, Because he said, you know, they have the opportunity. They'll either stay here or follow their father is basically what he said. Um, and I found it interesting, too, that Reese pointed out that Brian Belichick was still in the Patriots building mm-hmm. working uh, late last week. So um, y- you wonder where they end up. I- I'm with you. I, I think that... If Steve had like sort of like what Kyle Shanahan did, you know, he he finally moved on under his dad in Washington yep. and he built his own thing in Cleveland. Then he built his own thing in Atlanta and he ultimately became a head coach. Like if Steve does have those, you know, aspirations to, you know, build himself into his own thing here, he should work under Mayo. He should, you know, take a step up. And it, it, would he end up the defensive coordinator under Belichick and call it Atlanta? Yeah, probably. But um, you know, at, at some point you kind of got to step away and, you know, start to build on your own. Um, obviously it helped Kyle Shanahan. I'm sure that would help Steve Mayo or Steve Belichick here. Uh, <laughs> basically it's Steve Mayo Belichick. Because they're, they're like this. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, again, it's, it's still the Patriots tree here. So is he really going off on his own if he's here? Not really, but mm-hmm. it's still different than not coaching for your dad. So. Um, we'll see what happens, but it, it'll be cer- certainly be interesting. And again, you, you use the word interesting. I use the word interesting all the time. So forgive me, but <laughs> it really is like, it's, it, these aren't like massive stories, but mm-hmm. they all turn into a massive story because of all the change over here. And so, right. uh, it's interesting to point out, you know, all the interest keys that are going into, uh, Mayo, you know, building out this coaching staff. And then when you go back, going back to what you said about Mayo, like the confirmed, not confirmed. It's yeah. funny because Belichick came up in like the media school under Bill Parcells, where it's like, right. you know, you have a respect for the media, Evil. but you also understand, right? like, like you understand it's a tool where you can use right. them if you want, but also like you don't want to give them too much. Whereas Mayo has worked in media. He knows people in media. He has a different type mm-hmm. of respect for them. So there's a little less, and also just his personality. There's not as much rigidity. Now, maybe, you know, as he goes on, he learns it's some stuff you just don't want to say because then you're going to get asked about it nonstop, like the comment. About I the think he might already understand that that's going to become a thing and that's yeah. going to start to happen really quickly because he really is an op- has been an open book in the last mm-hmm. few times. And some of the things may turn and, you know, bite him in the ass. So we'll see what yeah. happens. But uh, I'm with you. I think there, there's going to come a time where he he not not, you know, shuts up a little bit, but just is more, I guess, careful and, you know, Close what he says best. and how. Yeah. 
Yeah, and what he says, understanding how it can be interpreted. So right. It's just more you don't know what you don't know. Like, it's going to take until he has that one comment that he thinks is just totally natural. Again, he already had it. We're going to talk about it more later. But, yeah, it's it's interesting having somebody who has a very different dynamic with the media. Right. We're going to get more into Mayo's comments. But first, quick rule. Quick. <laughs> quick. I'm just going to throw it to FanDuel. We love him. Got to yeah. pay the bills. We'll be back. What happened? Let them talk about it. The NFL season is wrapping up. Why? There is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, pick a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, so we also got confirmation from Gerard today that they are, in fact, interviewing Nick Cayley, the Rams tight ends coach, formerly the Patriots tight ends and at some points fullbacks coach, who after the 2022 season when he was passed over for the offensive coordinator job in favor of Matt Patricia, still insane, um, he the next season went on and joined the Rams, made a lateral move. Where I know it's confusing because like he still stayed, even though Patricia was a coordinator, mm-hmm. and then there was another coordinator change and he left for the lateral move, but when someone takes the same job, it's basically them saying, I'm not happy where I am. But now Belichick is gone. Gerard Mayo's in charge. There's a different level of respect there. Um, he wasn't asked about Zach Robinson, uh, but it was reported that Zach will be interviewing tomorrow. Um, and I do want to share some quick insights I got from Jordan Rodrigue, who covers the Rams for the Athletic, does a phenomenal job. I'm a huge fan of her work. Um, I got some of her insights on Zach and Nick. So for Zach specifically, she said, Zach is basically in charge of this recent Rams QB renewal program, a la Baker and Carson Wentz. He's the he is the one they most worked with in terms of his calling experience. He did two preseason games this year. He was also in the mix for the Chargers offense coordinator job last year. And many in the Rams building thought he would get it. But then Kellen Moore became available. So it is important to note that Zach Robinson has not called plays before in a live game capacity outside of the preseason. But, you know, they at least tried to get him integrated 
he learned under Sean McVay. I'm sure some of that translates, but at the same time, sure. with an offense that's going to be under what's probably going to be a huge rebuild, if not a total overhaul, that is something kind of want to watch out for. But he's highly respected in the league. I think we were both kind of on the same page that he was at the top, if not like near the top yep. of our list of coordinators. And then with Nick Cayley, uh, Nick is all energy all the time and a very good teacher. They have this fifth round rookie tight end who looks like he could be a bona fide dude for them. That's a lot of Nick's work. I'm less certain about his calling experience, but he attacks everything with a ton of enthusiasm. And Mayo keeps saying, I want developers. He always, you know, it's clear that he wants people who are teachers who are really going to respect these players and see them more as, you know, pupils than just as, you know, pieces on a chessboard. So what were your thoughts on the news about Kaylee and Robinson? Because this is our first time really getting to talk about it. Um, And would you be excited at the prospect of one or potentially both joining? Yeah, um, I love both of it, I think. And I pointed this out, and I'll, I'll respond here. I wasn't going to get into it in the, in the comment section of my of my uh, article yesterday on WEEI, but um, I, I pointed out that I, I appreciate it and like that they're looking at coaches from the McVay tree. Mm-hmm. Understanding that Zach Robinson is a McVay tree guy and Nick Haley was a Patriots head coach, I understand mm-hmm. that. People are like, you, you don't know Nick Haley was here for that long? Like, I, I've been a fan of the team. I've covered the team for quite some time. I know who <laughs> Nick Haley is, people. Uh, so I, I wasn't going to give into it there. I'm going to give into it here. So I, I hope you're watching this. Um, <laughs> point being is, Kaylee was a, uh, you know, a solid coach here at Offense Coordinator candidate. He goes and he learns from McVay for a season. Mm-hmm. Now, is he going to be able to learn all the intricacies of that, of that offense? No, of course not. But... Um, I, I want to point out too that you know, and uh, Devin McCourty said this about Kaylee last week. Uh, he was talking about him, and he went out to interview Matt Stafford uh, for the Sunday Night Football game uh, mm-hmm. last weekend, and he said that he saw Nick Kaylee out there and was talking to him, uh, and saying that you know he's enjoyed being down there. Fundamentally, what McVay teaching is the same thing as New England: uh, tough football, smart players, all that stuff. It's just a different way of teaching it. So it's been awesome for me, uh, for him to or. It's been awesome for him to be in that now, is what McCordy mm-hmm. said. So again, um, obviously I, he's not necessarily a McVeigh guy, but he you know worked here and then went out and learned out there for a season, and you know potentially has the the ability to come back. And so um, I like the idea of both guys. I think Robinson a, a little bit better just because he's worked there since 2019. He's been you know entrenched in that system for some time. Uh, you know you worry about the play calling, but ultimately a new OC, a young and up and comer. Anyone has to call plays for a first time. It's going to be trial by fire. And Mm so if it's going to be one of them, I think Robinson is a slam dunk. Um, You mentioned it. He's, you know, sort of a a candidate high on a lot of people's boards. I think so too. But Kaylee has a little bit of, uh, you know, familiarity with the system too. And so uh, Gerard Mayo was in last year's uh, interviews with Mm -hmm. all their candidates alongside Bill Belichick. So he was with Kaylee. So that's kind of why this seems to make sense. I think maybe he's calling him back. He liked what he heard. Um, and I would watch out for a couple more from last year as well, maybe a Keenan McCardle or mm-hmm. someone like that, just because again, Mayo was there. Um, so, you know, watch out for those. There's going to be more than just these two. So, uh, but I like the idea of it. I like the idea of a guy who's learned from McVay, uh, coming in to call this offense. So we'll see where it goes, but, uh, happy that this is their start because, uh, you know, aim high. I, yeah. I think that's what you have to do here. Don't settle for anything. So I yeah. like it. And also there's the potential that they get both because so Zach Robinson is the pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So the next step yep. in his you know career evolution is probably going to be offensive coordinator. But with Kaylee only having ever been a tight ends coach, he could maybe the Patriots don't have a pass game coordinator right now, but that could certainly be a title they give him where, you know, he takes a bigger step in that capacity. Maybe, you know, if Zach Robinson does well because of how highly he's respected, if he has 
I mean, at this point, you could have one good season as an offensive coordinator, especially in certain systems. Like, if he turns the Patriots into, like, a top-12 offense, then he's probably going to end up getting a head coaching job, especially because he's from a McVay tree. That's just how these things work. We're already seeing it with Bobby Slowick. We're seeing it with Dave Canales. Like, they've had one good season calling plays, and they're already being seriously considered for head coaching jobs. So you can yep. project that if they do get both, Robinson leaves after a season or two, and then Nick Kaylee becomes your offensive coordinator, maybe sticks around for a while until, you know, then you just kind of create a system where right. you have some backup plans, whereas once the Pats lost Shock McDaniels, they had no fallback. I mean, they, they technically had a fallback plan on the roster and Nick Kaylee, but they didn't want to give him the job right. for whatever reason. So I think that's a really interesting possibility. I'm with you. And because, and my my whole point in this, you know, before they hired Mayo and when the, the idea, and I'm sure I've said it on this show, I've said it basically everywhere, but just to kind of connect it to this, where, one of the reasons why I was a little bit against a defensive head coach is because, you know, right now in the league offense is, you know, the more important side of the football. It's just, you know, call it what it is. And when you have an offensive head coach, your system stays in place essentially for the entirety of the head coach's career there, where if you have a defensive head coach, you're bringing an OC. And like you said, this thing happens where say Robin can, Robinson kicks ass for two seasons. He's going to get head coaching, you know, offers and jobs and he's going to leave. And then somebody else is going to have to come in. But if you do, Again, mold these guys like Kaylee did under McDaniels, which, again, blows my mind that they didn't give it to it. But we're two years removed, and let's focus on this team. Uh, you know, having that pipeline is a positive. So that would be a huge plus to bring in both those guys and not just have it be um, be one of them. Because, you know, Kaylee, if he does get uh, a bump up and, you know, a title change, which Gerard Mayo has talked about, and I'm actually writing about that right now for tomorrow uh, for WEI.com, just how, you know, where the coaching search is at and kind of getting into Mayo's comments on titles because – uh, last week, he, you know, we talked about uh, titles are important. You know, no shot to Bill Belichick, he said, but it it tells you what people are and what they do, um, and it helps them move forward. And so, a change of title for Nikaley to potentially move back to the East Coast could be could be something to watch. So, Absolutely. you know, we'll we'll see where that goes. But yeah, that makes sense. I will slightly push back on one thing on the offensive side of, of the ball being most important because this weekend yeah. we saw Mike McDonald was like, nah. No, defense still matters because he has found oh, a way. Yeah. I mean, having the Ravens defense absolutely helps. And obviously when he was at Michigan, they're pretty one of the most talented teams in sure. college football. So you have to understand that like it is also the players, but he has been shutting down the Shanahan tree. So maybe, I mean, defense has always been important. Like we saw the Patriots were in every game right. this season, despite the fact that their offense was actively hurting them because they had a strong defense. So I'll just say that defense is still important. Having a guy like Gerard Mayo, of course, of course, of course. Most, you know, that does matter. But I also, you know, obviously right. having a competent offense, especially a high powered offense that can consistently put up points is always going to be important in the league. And not have to having turnover with, you know, the quarterback, which is the most important position on the field. So, yeah. Ooh, thank you. Great transition. Okay. So let's do it. Gerard Mayo was also asked about Mac Jones. Now he was, it, he was. it was really a conversation about leaders where he was uh, asked, you know, who are the leaders on your team the best leaders right now defense he mentioned Dietrich Wise he mentioned Jawan Bentley offense he mentioned David Andrews and free agent Hunter Henry which I guess is kind of interesting I don't think anybody really expects Hunter to go anywhere else it's just like make sure it's like a 12 million for two years kind of deal where yeah. he's not taking up 10 million dollars on your cap or anything like that um but then after those comments he also said he doesn't know what Matt Slater is going to do um but he did he was asked about Mac Jones and whether or not he struggled as a leader last season and he said Mac obviously has talent uh the confidence of a player is very fragile and confidence goes a long way obviously we saw constantly max confidence was shot towards not even just the end of his playing time last season but really once that cowboys game that was when you started seeing him start to unravel kind of bounce back against the bills had a respectable performance 
But even then, he had like a 2.2 average time to throw where, you know, it clearly was them trying to kind of coddle him a bit. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm curious, with Zach Robinson being the guy who can revitalize quarterbacks, like Baker Mayfield's time with L.A. was brief, but he played some of his best football in a long time. Uh, so I am curious, is there a world where you could see or would advocate for the Patriots sticking with Mac and seeing what a guy like Zach Robinson can do when he has better tutelage and a better supporting cast, basically putting us back on the trajectory we were last offseason where people were still like, all right, Mac's not, you know, yeah. probably never going to be an all pro, but he's still a talented enough player. And Mayo said that himself. He's like, these aren't high school kids. Like he's, You're in the NFL. You have talent. It's really kind of about the structure around you. So would you be down for them trying to get the best out of Mac again, maybe out of Zappy as well? Or is it still you have a top three pick? Hopefully you never have a top three pick again. Right. Pull the trigger on one of these dynamic young quarterbacks. It was uh, quite the shot at uh, Wiggy there saying, you know, we're not taking kids from Brockton High, uh, former head coach at Brockton <laughs> High, Jermaine Wiggins. But, uh, no, again, another example of Mayo just being being awesome. And not, and not that Belichick didn't, you know, give Wiggy a jab or two about being a high school head coach. But Everybody uh, loves to make fun of so, Wiggy's head coaching career. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but so, you know, ba- back to Mac. Uh, very, very pointed comments about Mac Jones today from Gerard Mayo, which I found surprising. Um, you know, talking about the leadership, he basically was like, yeah, we have leaders on defense and – he basically kind of, you know, paused-ish and was like, mm-hmm. and the quarterback needs to be a leader too. So we'll see because David Andrews and Hunter Henry are leaders. And then when things go bad, people start to change. And I was like, he's talking about Mac. He's saying Mac was not a leader and also, started maybe, changing. And maybe Zappy, as- like, is he saying like, oh, yeah, know right. who it's going to be? Mm-hmm. Right. He could be talking quarterback. And so that, again, I, I wonder what, what future Mac has here, especially after comments like that. And I'm not, I, and could Mayo give him another chance? Absolutely. I mean, Mac was at his press conference and, you know, showed up in workout clothes and it was kind of, you know, made a thing yesterday because, you know, Greg Bedard reported that people thought it was phony of him to show up in workout clothes because he doesn't have workout clothes there. But, you know, I know like Mac lives in the area and he still works out there. So maybe he just, you know, changed it home. Like all this stuff that, you know, goes on. It's like, it's kind of bizarre, but. Um, there, there is definitely a line in the sand on, you know, even inside that building of who I guess likes and wants Mac Jones and who doesn't. And so, uh, you, you wonder where it's going to go with that, especially given Mayo's comments today. Um, but as far as, you know, being revitalized by Zach Robinson, I don't necessarily hate the idea. Um, I even mentioned when McDaniels is name was thrown in the ring here that he could do the same for Mac because, and, you know, sort of get him back on track. Like he was his rookie year. Now is that option a for me no because i think you sit at number three and you know you look at the you look at the quarterbacks who were in the postseason just this past weekend i think what was it eight teams i think seven out of eight quarterbacks were first round picks the only Mm -hmm. one was brock Purdy, who wasn't and so it's it's the premier position you need top talent you have the number three pick now you know you could say that you're getting the third best quarterback if it's Jaden Daniels in the class and you could get the number one wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. And so it, you got to look at these things. And Mayo made the comment today, which I don't know if we're getting to that here, but we probably, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll throw it out there anyway, just about, uh, you know, taking the best available uh, player at the, at that, you know, at the top. And so mm-hmm. I, I go back and forth. Uh, I do, but ultimately I think the right decision would be to go with a quarterback here because this is the time to really reset it. You know, 
could Mac be fine? Yeah, he could. But if you can get a Jaden Daniels in here or even a Drake May, like the ceiling's just higher. You reset the rookie clock and go from there. So uh, that that should be the direction they go in and, you know, maybe see what you can get for Mac in a trade or something. But um, if there's going to be someone who can do it, maybe it's Zach Robinson because mm-hmm. he is, like you said, he was running that QB school out in L.A. and uh, and obviously revitalized some careers there. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I would go with the rookie. And then it's not just Zach Robinson, too, on the market in terms of really coveted quarterbacks. Coach, you also have Dan Pitcher for the Bengals, who's mentored yep. Joe Burrow his entire career. They love him down there. I think the only real competition they have is like the Raiders and the Saints, if the Patriots were to be interested mm-hmm. in pitchers. So another guy where there's options where if you do, and this, and th- now we'll kind of get into Mayo's comment where he was asked about the uh, comment he made to see Burton, where he said, you know, we're going to get a very uh, a good player at like a really important position or something like that. And he kind of reiterated, we're going to take the best available player for the biggest seed on the team. And he yeah. cited that that can be quarterback, it could be wide receiver, and it could be offensive line. Which was, I mean, again, refreshingly honest. And he's like, yeah. It's also kind of funny he didn't mention tight end because they don't have a single one under contract. Yeah. Which also kind of makes me think they're like, yeah, we might run it back, maybe add some people. But here's the interesting right. part. When he said that, and this is a pretty fair point to bring up, that need may not be the same as it is right now because there still must be free agency. We're going to right. get into that as well later, but you know, maybe they sign a couple good tackles, re-sign Mike and Wendy with Trent Brown, what have you. They bring in a big name wide receiver who's not just a big name, but somebody they can look at and be like, all right, we're going to build around you. But then they could also, for all we know, they sign Kirk Cousins. And then quarterback is no longer right. the biggest need. And then you say, All right, I'm going to get a player who can walk onto an NFL field and immediately be a top five, top ten player at their position. So I am kind of curious what your thoughts are there because. If you do have confidence that somebody could make Mac better or you just get somebody else in the building as a quarterback who you do think can carry the team, is it more tempting to go for, like I said, a guy like a Joel Alt or a Marvin Harrison Jr.? We're legitimately, they're generational prospects where they immediately come onto the field and are one of the best players at their position. Just... I don't think like you're back on the Mac train, Taylor. I'm, Sounds no, like we got you no, back on the Mac no, train. No, no, I'm trying to. That's it, you just. I'm just being an open-minded host. As a, as okay. a, my, and my own analyst, like I'm so, I no offense to Mac, but like I'm, I'm just done. <laughs> I wish him the best. I want them to move on, bring in a veteran mm-hmm. backup like a Jacoby Brissett and get a young quarterback because I'm with you where you have a top three pick. It's right. It's too high of an asset for you to pass on somebody like a Drake Mayer or Jaden Daniels, who they're going to come to the league and they will not immediately be a top 10 player. Jaden Daniels will be a top right. three scrambler for sure and runner, but they are going to need a year or two of probably serious work before you start talking about them in the upper echelon of quarterbacks. Although they do have, I think, the talent to get there. Whereas you could yeah. get somebody who is where it's like blue chip, no question about it. This is a great player. So I'm not back on Mac. I'm just trying to be open-minded to the fact that, you know, they could get... Maybe it happens. Right, right. So what are your thoughts there, I guess? (sighs) It's a long pause because, again, I I want... I guess I've always, you know, I've I've been a fan of Mac as far Mm -hmm. as, like, you know, I think that he did get the short end of the stick here. Um, And even Mayo said it this morning. Like, he made mistakes, but so did we as a coaching staff. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, if you give him, if you give Mac Jones a Marvin Harrison Jr. and or a Joe Alt to keep him upright, reset his confidence, and give him a guy, yeah, it could work, and you know, you could play well, and you know, do whatever. But then, and it's kind of what I just said to the the previous comment, but like, okay, he's they're not going to pick up his fifth year option. That's mm-hmm. prob- That's I mean, I don't see why they would do that. And so, then you go from you go into his fourth year and say he plays well, 
then you got to pay him. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't play well, and it's like, well, why the F didn't we take Jaden Daniels? Because now he's with the Ra- the Raiders, and he just rushed for 1,000 yards, and we have egg on our face. Yeah. So, like, it's it's tough to – and, and it, again, that's why – and Phil Perry said it the other day, and he for some reason got some flack about it on Twitter, how the the – the NFL draft is is a game of chance. Like it literally is a game of chance. You have to because you could take Marvin Harrison and he could could turn into the biggest bust on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And so you got to take your shots. I just think ultimately, with the the resetting of the rookie clock, this is a rebuild. And yes, are they close on defense? Yes, they are, but they still need a lot of help on offense. And so to sit here and say, no, let's quickly rebuild it with Mac. I just don't see that that should be the long-term plan here. You have Gerard Mayo, who's only 37. It's not, you're not going to try and flip this into a Super Bowl team next year. So why not bring in a quarterback and develop him like that? And I don't hate the idea of, you know, a Jacoby Brissett or somebody on the market. The only other, you mentioned Kirk Cousins. I don't see them doing that, but the mm. one I, the one I keep gravitating towards is Baker Mayfield. And I do think that Tampa Bay is either going to franchise him or re-sign him because he really gave them something this season. But if for whatever reason they let them wa- let him walk, I wouldn't hate the idea of, of Brian Baker here, even as a guy who you you draft you you know you sign Baker and you draft someone in the second or third round and kind of go with that route. But uh, no, I think I'm still on best player available at the biggest need, which ultimately is quarterback right now. I agree. I, again, it's it's the upside. It's like it's gonna you're gonna feel really silly if you yeah. commit to Mac and then have to pay, also you have to pay him. That's another right. big part of this is you can have a quarterback who has a higher upside on a rookie deal, or you can have Mac for one year on a rookie deal. Then you have to get a new contract. And then it's like, I think it's just a whole mess. And right. Then it turns into the Daniel Jones thing in New York where he plays mm-hmm. well, you sign him. Now you're handicapped with his salary cap hit and you're not that good. And like the giants are probably still looking for a quarterback right now. So another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yeah, as much as I think Mac, you know, it wasn't all his fault. I still, I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not a fan of, you know, running it back with him. Agreed. All right. We can move on from that. I'm sure everyone's going to be very upset that we will no longer be talking about Mac Jones. Uh, (laughs) But so this is the big one. This was maybe the most exciting part of the entire interview where Gerard Mayo was asked, you know, you guys have a lot of assets and for agency. What are you going to do? He's like, Oh, we're bringing in town a thousand percent. We have a lot of cap space. And cash. He said, we are going to burn some cash because, you know, Robert Kraft, I know he gets a lot of flack and people like to act like he's cheap. I don't know how much evidence there is to support that Kraft is cheap. I think there's plenty of evidence to support that Bill just doesn't like paying certain players or, you know, what have you, paying certain positions. But we saw literally just in 2021, they spent a ton, a ton of money. And with Kraft being 
full on board that like we need to get this team back on track. Money is clearly not going to be any object. And not only just do they have the cash, they also have the cap space where it's not like they're going to have to bend over backwards to make it work and all those things. They're going to have a lot of space to work with. So I thought this would be fun. Our buddy, friend of the show, Brad Spielberger of PFF, always does an amazing job uh, where they have this chart. We're going to pull it up right now where he has all the list of like team needs, all these things for uh, the free agency contract predictions where I think last season, I'm pretty sure he batted like 80% at least. It was crazy. <laughs> Almost every single deal he was spot on. So we're going to pull this up, go through the list and then make our own little, you know, free agency board and see who we think would be interesting uh, for the Patriots to get because, hey, they're going to be burning cash, right. so let's have some fun. So you did say Kirk Cousins is off your board, yes? Yeah, I just, you know, 37 coming off an Achilles. Like, I, yeah, he'll probably, like, I think Atlanta and Bill Belichick should be all over him. You yeah. know, get him in for a year or two, win some games, break the record, what have you. But I'm more of on a you know a longer rebuild for the Patriots, so I just don't see them shelling out for Kirk Cousins this year. It doesn't it doesn't move the needle for me. It doesn't make much sense. I agree. Kirk Cousins said uh, you know he has to see how things play out, but he wouldn't turn down the opportunity to play with the best coach of all time. Yeah, so oh, there's a little traction there. That would actually be really fun. I'd love to see him over there. Should that I would be that's the one that makes the most sense. I mean, yeah. and I know we're going to keep going in a second, but mm -hmm. like Kirk with you know Bijan and Drake or Drake London and Kyle Pitts, like. Yeah, that, that offense would turn around really fast, and that would turn into a really, really good football team down in Atlanta. Absolutely. All right, now, this one's really interesting. Josh Allen, they have him three on their board. Now, the Patriots' yeah. edge situation is very weird. You have Anthony Jennings, who I think they should resign. I don't think he's going to crack like $10 million just because he doesn't really contribute on passing downs. And even when he does, he really relies more on stunts and discipline more than actually being a good pass rusher. Got Matthew Judon, who's in the last year of his deal. And then obviously he's getting older, very valuable player, but you have to expect at some point he's going to fall off to some degree. Then you have Josh Uche, also a free agent like Anthony Jennings, but didn't have a great season last year. Dealt with a foot injury, which obviously did have an impact on his ability to perform. But at the same time, with his style, because of how disciplined they are, it just felt like it was hard to really see how effective he was. He had some flashes. You know, he likes that little hezzy bull rush. Uh, but it just yeah. wasn't the season that he had the year before where he really broke out towards the end of the year. But Josh Allen, and then, and then also Keon White. He's kind of different from their edge rushers because usually Patriots edges just play outside. Keon White's different right. where he's inside and outside, had most of his success actually from the inside and kind of like a defensive end, Dietrich Wise kind of role. But Josh Allen is a legitimate difference maker. I It's kind of weird because if you re-sign Jennings, then you have Judon, like where does he fit exactly? But what right. would you think about potentially bringing him in? Because if it's on a one-year deal, maybe you see how it works, you extend him. I'm curious because it seems – and he's still young. He's only 20, or relatively young. He's going to turn 27, but consistently good player. He's ranked yeah. – let's see. He was 11th last season, 10th the season before. One of the best guys at the position. What do you think? I mean, they're going to either have to rework Matthew Judon's contract or try and trade him out of it because that just – I mean, it's – he's going to want more money mm -hmm. um, just like he did last year, restructure, and I don't really blame him even though he's coming off the injury. So mm -hmm. if they don't feel like doing that and they just want to start anew with somebody else – I like the idea of Josh Allen. I mean, like you said, he's a game changer. He's a difference maker. Um, you know, people people always think of Josh Allen, the quarterback, but Josh Allen, the D end might be, you know, j just as good. He's just a little bit overshadowed because of the position. And so uh, I don't hate the idea. I think it would be a lot to add him to the room if you're going to go with, you know, again, Judon and White and Jennings and, you know, resign everybody and keep mm -hmm. everyone apart. Like it's kind of seems redundant and feels like I wouldn't, you know, allot my salary cap space there, but 
you wonder again, new regime, new people, like still defensive minded, you know, Patriots head coaching staff and clearly front office. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't hate the idea. It was just, it kind of depends on Judon and what they mm-hmm. want to do there. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But and who was number two on this list? Uh, this, this, so this is specifically the Patriots' needs. Oh, the yeah. yeah. Okay, I should have clarified that. that. I just got so excited. No, that's fine. No, you in. did. I just I didn't know if it was ranked that way. Okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah these are okay. specifically um, Patriots' positional needs. Got it. Okay, so um, yeah, I don't hate the idea of Josh Allen, but I, I think it's it's dependent on uh, what they do with the position right now yeah. too. Also, what they do with edges, whether they want to continue with the philosophy that they have, or whether they maybe let somebody off the chain a little bit more, because again, so mm-hmm. much of what they do relies on being disciplined. Uh, but with the modern age of you know all these scrambling quarterbacks, it can be tough. Although Josh Allen, it's kind of funny, owns Josh Allen the quarterback. Like anytime they play, yeah, he has like a new career game, which is pretty crazy. It's hilarious. Now this one's interesting. T. Higgins. Obviously, it's like- a slam dunk, Taylor. We're, we're, you know, we we talked about you know having just you know conversation on here and not like this is the one. I, I gave a caveat and it's, I, I had to cut you off because I, I gave the caveat to Josh Allen and it depends on the the position room where that goes. T. Higgins, twenty five, unsigned, projected for a one year deal, or is that just yeah. what they're saying his average annual value will be? I uh, that's it's a one year deal and he'd make about twenty two million. Interesting. Okay. I, 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 and I feel like they're probably going to franchise him, but I say that you, you make this happen any, any time of day, no matter what, you have to bring T. Higgins into that room somehow, some way. But that's the thing. And this is something that's going to come hesitate. up a few times. I, the only reason I hesitate is because is he going to be available? Like, I want to put him on this list. I wouldn't even think about it. But realistically, and I feel like it's going to come up with a lot of the wide receiver free agents outside of like Mike Evans, and he still could as well. I think a lot of these guys are going to get franchise tagged, and that's the issue. I don't even think yeah, they're going to I hit know. the open market. So, I mean, I I feel like T. Higgins and most of these top receivers are going to be no-brainers. But realistically, do we think he's even going to make it out of Cincinnati? No, he's not. No. <laughs> I don't think so. They would be silly to not keep him there. Um, and, yeah, they do – and we, we talked about um, – Trey Brown, the guy who's you know developed that yeah. helped develop that team out in Cincinnati. Like, talk about their receiver room with with Chase and Higgins and Todd Boyd or Tyler Boyd rather. Like, they have dudes, but it's still, you know, like they could lean on in theory Boyd and Chase without Higgins. But mm-hmm. you know, you also have th- three top wide receivers in your room with Joe Barrow, who is coming off an injury. Like, help him out as much as you can. They obviously have a chemistry there, so they'd be silly to not you know to let him go. But if they do let him go. This should be their number one, this number one signing. But realistically, you're right. I don't think he's getting out of Cincinnati. I want to put him on this list so bad, but I can't. So we have to just do it. On. Put him on. He's a free agent. Put all him right, on. All right. What, he's a, oh, all right. All right. Free agent. Wish list. Just wish list. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll do that. Go. So T. Higgins. What was that contract? Let's see. That was one year. 21.66. Yeah. Six, six million. All right. God, I'm typing like my dad. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right. Brian Burns, another interesting edge option, even younger than Josh Allen. Although I that Carolina scheme, they, I believe, are just a penetrating defense where there's not a lot of like discipline. Got to keep the guy contained. I feel like they just kind of let him off and he just gets to attack. So I don't know that he'd be a great scheme fit. Obviously, uber talented player just needs to get the hell out of Carolina so he can get to a contender. Yeah. Who knows what that's – I think the Patriots are going to turn around pretty quickly. But are you interested just given, again, the scheme fit and how he would be integrated? And you see the overall defensive grades. He's been pretty middle of the pack to, like, not great, and that's because yeah. he's a great pass rusher, not as good of a run defender. 
similar to you know their their thing with Judon, and obviously Judon's a much better run defender, mm-hmm. um, but he can rush the passer as well. But like if they if they decide to do something else with Judon and maybe not re-sign Jennings, then yeah, I would give Brian Burns you know a bag of money to come here and rush the passer. But um, I would I would rather keep who they have in the room currently than move off of like the Josh Allen. I would be fine with them moving off from uh, from Judon and bringing in a guy like Josh Allen, mm-hmm. where Brian Burns like. Okay, it would be fu- it would be good. It would be, it would help if you end up moving on, but I still would like I would rather keep the room intact how it is rather than move it around just for a guy in Brian Burns. Agreed. Okay, Michael Pittman Jr. Now this one's a bit more oh, interesting <laughs> because obviously doesn't have the physical upside of a lot. Like even Mike yeah. Evans, you know, he's just not quite as explosive, but he's uber reliable. They've had so many different quarterbacks uh, play for yeah. the Colts, especially when you talk about like the different. <laughs> skill set or the skill level of these quarterbacks had Anthony Richardson for like a minute and then he had to go the rest of the season with Gardner Minshew who obviously has his flashes but those flashes are also kind of weighed down by some really tough moments Pittman Jr. is not really an X I think you could put them in there in certain packages he's more of a Z is he someone you'd want to put on the wish list also probably going to get franchise tagged let's say that probably I'm same boat as Higgins. Like I, I, Higgins mm-hmm. is above him on my list. Um, I think he's a little bit younger, and I think he's a little bit better. But I would mm-hmm. sign Michael, Michael Pittman 100% if he's available. Um, again, a guy who they could pro- probably will franchise tag or make stay there because he's their best wide receiver, and they have to keep developing Anthony Richardson next season. So mm-hmm. why take away the best you know pass catcher in your room? But if he does hit the market, then yeah, the Patriots need a, a wide receiver. So throw Pittman on the list 100%. All right, Michael. Oh, my gosh. That is all caps. All right, because we really want Michael Pittman so badly. All right, so (laughs) there we go. Twenty-one point six six. This is where Ahmed come handy. We miss you, buddy. All right, I think he actually. I was just I was just looking on YouTube and he threw in a uh, a thumbnail of the thing. So Ahmed is awake, I think. Oh, good morning, Ahmed. All right, (laughs) all right, Daniil Hunter. Now. I, I say no. He's a great pass rusher, a well-rounded player as well. But at the same time, I feel like it's a similar situation to Matthew Judon, where he's yeah, he's older the same guy, same guy. Up there. Yeah. yeah. So we're just just no quick no. Yeah, skip him. Yeah. Respect, should, we add, no. should we add Josh Allen to the list? Like, should Allen be on our list, or are we just gonna? I think. So. Eh, yeah. Why not? Yeah. We could throw him on. on. Yeah, throw him on. Yep. Josh Allen. Oh, watch two positions because this could get confusing. Wide receiver. Receiver, the beauty of live streams. All right, one year better this way. Twenty one point nine two million. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So, if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Oh, oh my God, I got my screens mixed up. All right. 
Mike Evans. Oh. <laughs> Mike Evans balled out yesterday. Yep. Obviously, he had a couple easy drops, but at the same time, he had a way more big-time catches and big moments, dominated at the end of the first half. Three years, $23 million. Now, he has nagging soft tissue injuries and has, like, forever. So that is something to consider. Also, age is a consideration. But at the same time, I think one of the things you need to get in this wide receiver room is a veteran with championship experience who everybody can look up to and be like, you are the standard. So do we want to put Mike Evans on the list? Because I, I'm all for it, but I also understand there are legitimate concerns as well. Uh I think you have to put every wide receiver who's available on the list. And not not everyone, but like, <laughs> you know, th- these top three guys, like if you land any of them, then I'm all for it. Like yep. a guy who you mentioned reliable, a guy who has, he, he's never not had a thousand yard season in the NFL. He's won a Super Bowl. He has playoff experience. Like sure, soft tissue injury is obviously a problem, but he's better than anybody you have in your room right now. And he'll be better than anybody you have in your room next year. And so, yep. uh, Yes, I would rather, you know, Higgins is number one, Pittman's number two, Evans is number three, but um, I, I put I put Mike Evans on the list for sure. And so now I'm looking at the way we were. How Do we want to move this around a little bit? No, 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 no. I'm just thinking more so like what Brad is kind of putting for like the projected contracts. The one-year mm-hmm. deal guys are definitely franchise tag guys, right? I would, I would that think kind so, Because yeah. like Evans is getting three years, but – you would think Higgins would get a five-year deal on the market, but I think he's projecting them to be franchise tags. So that I think it's also kind of workshop. Like he dealt with injuries here, too. Yeah. He was kind yeah, of that's like true. he missed some games, so I think that's also in consideration. But with Michael mm-hmm. Pittman, yeah, I think the assumption is that they're probably going to get tagged. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I think that's a tag. It's number. the same yeah. number. It's the tag number. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But so yeah, no, add add Evans all day. Yep, he's there. Tyron Smith is he even going to make it out man. of Dallas? He's an old head, but he's all—he's still a beast, though. Is yeah, no, I know, I know. And I know. Trent Brown's also an old head, so it's like, mm-hmm. do you want a guy with again playoff experience, highly respected, and also is probably going to play for you at a high level? Also, a guy who dealt with injuries, but again, so has Trent mm-hmm. Brown. So I feel like when it comes to how you're going to restock at left tackle, the options are really like Tyron Smith, Trent Brown, and Jonah Williams. And Jonah Williams was a right tackle last season. So yeah. do we want to put Tyron Smith on there? Or are we saying ah, uh, we might be able to do better? I wish. Somebody asked Mayo about uh, Trent Brown this morning on the Greg Hill show. That would have been a good question. Yeah, that would have been a good question. I just um, want to know how they feel about him inside yeah, the locker room. Because, like, we've had Sophie, and, like, you know, she mentioned that a lot of things haven't really gone his way, and they kind of mess with his head and things like that. Right. But then there's also the side of, like, well, there have also been reports that people in the locker room weren't happy with this effort. So right. it's like – you know, if they play well, no, if he plays well, no one's going to care. Like at the end exactly. of the day, if, if you if you play well, people are going to forget a lot of things. But how far gone is that situation? Yeah. And that being said, for the same amount of money, I'd probably take Tyron Smith, to be honest. You know, yeah. new okay. blood, no, not dealing with the potential headache that Trent can bring. And again, it's all, you know, reported and rumored. So I I don't know, you know, exactly what's what's going on there. But I, I yeah, if if you can get Tyron Smith in here for, you know, again, one year deal, 10 mil, like, yes, 100 yeah, percent. Because it's. Good. It, yeah, it helps. You're not tying yourself to a almost 34 year old, you know, tackle. You bring him in for a year, mm-hmm. you share up the O line, and then you know next year you draft or you know you draft this year and you develop. And yeah, I think that's that would be a, a solid left tackle to to help out a rookie for for their first season. Yep, agreed. All right, and I feel like as this goes, he's probably going to keep getting bumped down the list <laughs> just in terms of priority yeah. and all those things. But I mean, look at those grades. That's crazy. I mean, obviously yeah. 2022 wasn't very good. I think he battled injuries even more then. Yeah. Marquise Brown, how do you feel about him? Honestly, I 
am not, not interested. To be not honest. huge on him. I think. Right. No, he's. I think he's dealt with injury. Um, mm-hmm. He's. Yeah, I'm. Pass on him. I. Uh, I, yeah. I want like one of these big name receivers, and if not, I'd rather draft one. So. Yeah. Bryce Huff. I You've been really talking about Bryce like Huff for months. Yes. Like, ever since Josh Uche's play started to decline, I was like, but Bryce Huff's been killing it. He did well yeah. against the Pats. I really like him as an option to replace Uche. Now, he's a situational guy. Mm-hmm. But I, at the same time, so is Uche. Like, he, I think Uche had more flashes against the run than he has in years past. But at the same time, he also would just completely, like, go inside and there was nobody coming over the top and giving up big runs. So, personally, I would like to see Bryce up instead. But, you know, they've also developed Uche. I think Uche clearly has a relationship with Gerard Mayo. Right. And I think that they do like him in the building. And he's, I mean, in terms of a locker room presence, he seems fantastic. It's really just like, all right. And he was yeah, there. He, I mean, he was at Mayo's press conference. Like, that tells you yep. something, too. Yeah, but how do you feel? I want to put Bryce up on here. I'd probably put him over Josh Allen, to be honest with you. Wow. Especially with the value. With uh, the value? Yeah. Age value? Yeah. So and if considering we're doing that this Josh Allen order, probably isn't playing every down. That's the I think thing. we Let's should also, move on from Judon. I think we should also bump Josh Allen under Michael Pittman, if we're being honest. Okay. That's fair. So let's go okay. Higgins, Higgins, Huff, Pittman, Allen. Pittman Allen. I like that. What the heck? All right. Yeah, all right. there we go. Bryce Huff. Because Huff, you're right. You're not, you know, you're not shelling out all that money for Josh Allen here. You have Huff for, right. you know, this three-year deal, which, yeah. And I, in terms of situational pass rushers, you don't get a lot better than Bryce Huff. And also, yeah. his grades are pretty good. He doesn't play against the run a lot. But he clearly isn't doing all that bad. I need to watch more. I Most of the tape that I've seen from him, to be totally honest, is right. him rushing the passer. Um, but, you know. He's very, very good at it. I would love to see him on the team. I think that gives your pass rush a huge amount of juice, which would be very valuable because you don't know what's going to happen with Keon White. Again, I think he may be better as an interior rusher. And then you're kind of left with, you know, Matt Judon sometimes. And then it's just, it's, it's pretty shallow yeah. there. So Bryce Huff, we got Trent Brown. Oh, Two boy. years. It's so cheap. He's Can we so put him cheap. on the list? I think we got to put him on the list. Under, under Tyron Smith. Yeah. Just because of the off-field stuff, we need to. You need to screen grab this and put it on Twitter after and watch the world burn. Okay. Um, oh, you do it. You're 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 <laughs> more used to that than I am, Mister SpongeBob. Me. <laughs> That's true. All right. Yeah, but I think yeah, we don't. I mean, we already talked about Trent Brown. Obviously, yeah. still an outstanding player when he's healthy, but there's the injury to consider. Although he did play all of 2022, he lost like 10 pounds when he had the flu and still managed to play. Right. He showed even last season that he was, he played through a concussion, which is not advisable. I do not think that's okay, but he did it. Yeah, you can call him a lazy bum if you want. Um, but still, when it comes to like at times looking for the team over himself, I think he's shown that he will do it. You know, it's inconsistent. I will say yeah. that. And again, if there are people inside the locker room saying that they had an issue with this effort, that is what it is. Whether or not he thinks it's fair or not how he was treated, that's, you know, that's the case. But I think you have to at least have him as a consideration. Again, because it's two years, less than $8 million a year for a very good left tackle, you just don't get those, especially for a guy who's well-rounded and can dominate in the run game. Yep. yep. Calvin right. Ridley. Calvin Ridley. I think he's oh, so he's not a franchise tag projection. I honestly, 
It's a lot of money. I don't know. It is a lot, especially he's 29 years old. He And he has a drop problem. And I know you can say, like, drops aren't that important. But, like, drops in big moments are. It's kind of like that Tyree Kill thing where you can yeah. produce a lot. And drops don't matter if you're a good player. But if you're dropping plays, like touchdowns and things like that, they're literally game-changing plays. I don't know. I personally am not that interested in Kelvin Ridley, to be honest. Very talented. I'm not going to act like he's not. But stay with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Continue to develop. Yeah. I, I'm not that. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm with you. So let's move on and let's grab Big Mike on one right there and put him right yep, under. Yep, where are we we already know right under T Higgins. <laughs> under think. T Higgins. All right. Yep. What no, that's totally fair. I, I am. I would only. I think I honestly I put him over T Higgins to be totally honest with you, especially right. because of what he already gives you in the locker room. You know. Yeah, you're right. He he should All be. Right. He should be. He should be top priority this offseason. He really should yep. be. I'm just gonna call him an O line because yeah. uh, so again there is already precedent for the kind of contract they could give him where um elton jenkins for the packers mm-hmm. he oh i guess we'll, oh i should put average shouldn't i yeah i'll do that for the other ones um but elton jenkins is his contract is structured where if he is um what do you call it if he plays offensive tackle he gets paid like an offensive tackle mm-hmm. if he plays guard he gets paid like a guard and obviously there's like all pro incentives and things like that i think right. that's what you want for big mike because frankly i think he is best suited as a guard still can he play tackle yes but i would love to see them maybe either sign a couple tackles outside of unwenu or draft one sign one and let him play his best position i also know that there's been some talk about him not fitting if it's like a mcveigh scheme but one thing about McVay's scheme is he's been flexible. They run a mm-hmm. lot of duo, which is what yeah. the Patriots ran almost exclusively. And I think outside zone, I don't think he's great because you don't want him trying to like get across the face of people very often. But I think if you talk about mid zone where you're really mm-hmm. trying to hit inside, which is really what the Patriots run, I think that could still work. Um, so I don't really think that he's as scheme restricted as some people do think. Um, also, like you'd have to completely – outside of Cole Strange, who's hurt – you'd have to pretty significantly overhaul your personnel and just kind of start from scratch with people that haven't been in the building, which I don't know that I'm a huge fan of, especially because Mike and Wenu has been so influential and has emerged as a leader this season. Yep. Um, is so homegrown talent. I think it sets a good example that, yes, this regime will pay people who bust their butts and really play hard for us. But Big up. Think? I, I yeah. echo everything you just said about Big Mike. I think uh, it's – uh, I, the Jeremy Fowler report last week that said that the Patriots know he's as good as gone, like that, mm-hmm. you know, that irked me. Like, again, home especially because Sophie Weller said the opposite, right? While asking him directly, which is yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> and so you wonder what side. Obviously, that's probably coming from the team side from Fowler, but like, you know, bring him mm-hmm. back. He's worth it. Like, he. People say the versatility. You know, not that it's a negative, but almost like you know, you don't have a place for him. But it's like no, like he, you pay him it. Again, that's the thing I wonder is where, okay, is the same thing going to happen where you want to – you say you're going to play me a guard, then you play me a tackle, so you pay me as a guard, and then I have to move and that the whole thing. Where the Elton Elton Jenkins thing is perfect. Like, um, And now, granted, Owen will be like, no, I, I play tackle. You pay me like a tackle, but I still think that's worth it. Like, Then you just have like someone who you can put everywhere, and then you you work with it. So long story yep. short, on when it was number one on my list, he should be their top priority this offseason. I agree. Oh, looks like all right. We may have to cut this at. We'll try to get to thirty before my battery dies. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so Chase Young. Yeah, we'll do out a top ten here. We'll we'll put out a top ten yeah, and we'll, we'll bounce. 
All right. Perfect. So Chase Young, he's interesting because he's more defensive. And this is also kind of the case for Bryce Huff, to be fair. They're more defensive end than outside linebacker, which is what the yeah. Patriots usually like. They're obviously, you know, scheme versatile, but you very rarely see them line up with true defensive ends outside. But he's young. He's talented. He's doing well. He's been playing pretty well this entire season. They, obviously, the injuries are a concern. But yeah, he, one year, I didn't notice million. him that I didn't really notice him that much in their the, the game the other day. Like he didn't make that. I thought I saw him flash a few times, but a definitely bit, not. But, it wasn't a game changer. Yeah, and that could just be a, not really a scheme thing, but you know, playing second to you know, it's tough with Nick Bosa and what have you. But um, and the Pats also reportedly had interest at the trade deadline. We right. also should note that. So it's not like yeah. they wouldn't even consider it. There's some level of interest in him. Would you put him on the list though for the top ten? Um. Yeah. Yeah, you put him on yeah. the list again because it, it's it makes sense, right? I mean, you see, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're talking here with you know the the whole Judon situation with his contract. You bring in a young guy, you're trying to rebuild. You sign him to a longer deal. Um, yeah, I think you know I'm trying. I'm looking at I I want to put him on the list. I'm trying to think of where I want to put him on the list. And I'm thinking like between Tyron and Trent. Yeah, because it's, it's only yeah. a year. He's 25 years old. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I say go, go after Tyron Smith because as much as I want Chase Young and I think he's a better, like obviously better player and younger than Tyron Smith, it's it, having a left tackle next season is a lot more important than having you know Chase Young. Yep, agreed. All right, and that's also assuming that he would probably replace Joshua Jay. Yeah, I um, mean, be more of a situational guy. Jonathan Grenard. Now he's interesting because he's a young guy who didn't get a lot of attention because the Texans weren't playing well, but he's yeah. been very good for them. Another guy who's young, obviously, would fit because he comes from the Nick Casario system. What do you think about him? Would you want to maybe round out the list with him? Mm, who's after Clowney? I want to see what we have. After Clowney. We've got Darius Smith, Smith, Mackay Becton. Uche. Uche. Ooh. And then let's oh, just man. get to the top 50. Then Leonard Floyd and jo- Ooh. I want Jonah Williams. All right. We're going to put Jonah Williams is going to be our last Jonah guy. Williams. And I think. Okay. All right. I would put him. I was going to say, I think even though we played right tackle this year, I still put him over a guy like Tyron Smith. And should we put him at five under Michael Pittman? I'm thinking so. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Because I also know he's very respected and played really hard for the Bengals. Yeah. Um, I think he's a guy that they would want back. Um, clearly with that contract, I think he earned himself a decent amount of money. So <clears throat> yeah. I think that'd be pretty good. Um, all right. So would we 10. maybe want to move somebody? Would we want to put Grenard in for somebody else who's already on the list before we close up? I'm just trying to look Honestly, at I might kind of bump I might bump Chase Young to be totally honest with you. You'd rather Grenard? Maybe, yeah. Because we know he's a scheme fit. He's young, up and comer. That's not a I whole thing. Like Fifteen million. It's, I mean, that's not terrible money. And he's a guy that could play every down for you. Where if he develops well, he could be your Matt Judon replacement. I like that's just my n- take, though. Yeah, I, I just I look at Chase Young like, and again, I, maybe I'm putting too much value in the fact that he was the number two overall pick and that he has such a high upside versus Grenard's again the scheme fit and he obviously played well I like Chase Young being younger though too and a guy Mm -hmm. who you know you could build your core around potentially oh man you make the decision this one's on you I'm bumping Chase Young all right sounds good there's our top 10 Grenard three years 15 15.75 million 
All right, there it is. And once again, this is based on the, the our buddy Brad Spielberger, one of the best and brightest at PFF, his list with the top 50 players uh, at positions of need for the Patriots. So Kyle Duggar, I'm not even sure uh, how – obviously was not on the list. It's because, like, they don't really need a safety back. Yeah, right. Obviously, right. I think they could use a post-safety, and if Duggar leaves, things could change. Yep. Um, but, you know, they could re-sign Jalen Mills. They've still got Marte Mapu. Um, they could live without uh, Kyle Duggar, who also I know Brad projects uh, will be someone who gets the franchise tag which would make a right. lot of sense because he had kind of a down year. See if you want to pay him. He's also on the older side. Maybe let him test the market, see what happens there. But this is our list. Le- learn it, love it, adjust it. And we're we'll tweet it, it out. Because I'll tweet it out. So There we go. All right, yeah, perfect. Well, you can All right. check it out there too. We're about to close out before my battery dies, but Mike, let the people know what you got coming down the pipeline. All right. lot of Mayo Patriots coaching staff reactions and uh, reporting over at WEI.com. We'll uh, – We'll have all you covered over on the Six Rings pod, too. So make sure you rate, review, subscribe to that. Um, you can hear Taylor on there. We'll have him on a bunch of this offseason as well. So we're going to do a lot of collaborating here as we figure out what's going on with this 2024 Patriots team. So uh, anything and all things Patriots, you can follow along on Twitter at Mike Cadlick. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So thanks for having me, Taylor. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, brother. Going to be the first, or not the first of many, but the many of many. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you. Also be back later today to have Brett Coleman on to discuss the Patriots coaching search, GM search, as well as potential of Bill Belichick going to the Falcons. Tune in for that at 5 o'clock Eastern time. But for now, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 